0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. I Welcome well, to sorry. Guys oh. Who Like Musicals. <laughs> Shit, wait.
1: Wait, wait, is that, that's not, is that what happened, that's what happening? Dan, what's going on? Kind of.
0: <laughs> this is three guys who like mu- musicals today. This is the Guys
1: Who Like Musicals double feature kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. the trifecta.
0: <laughs> I have no idea how we're supposed to start this. So, I You're guess right. we started.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a gun.
0: Mean, <laughs> we started it the way we usually start,
1: which is, you know, I, we didn't tell you at all. We didn't ask you what you wanted to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate Just shoot that. Shoot from the hip. Shoot from the hip. That's what it should be. Um, yeah. So, for those listening, welcome to a very special, strange, and weird crossover episode. So,
1: an actor is saying his lines, yeah. and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing.
0: Five, six, seven, eight. My heels are alive with the sound of Jimmy. Don't cry for me. Does, is, this, is this like. Like the Simpsons and Futurama right now? Can we equate (laughs) us? Can we put ourselves on that level? We've got right. Rick and Morty
2: are about to make their appearance.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like the universe of the of SVU and Chicago Med, Fire, PD. It's the Dick Wolf crossover special. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, better yet, the um, what's the one up in uh, that our Carlos is on? Um, the Flash. It's the Flash. Flash and Arrow. You know. And Supergirl, mm -hmm. yeah, it's the Dave Rappaport universe. But also, while we're doing
2: this, is he frozen?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Alan's Alan's video is frozen. You'd think that after a year of this nonsense, that like it would get easier. But like, we still don't know how to use any of these platforms that we're using to make a living. (laughs) So I'm sorry, sorry, we. (laughs) I mean, you're you're the one that just had a mic issue for 20 minutes before we started this for the first
2: time. That's you can, true. That's true. You that, can. You, this must be a good day for you. Joe wins this one. Everyone. I know
1: exactly. That is part of our show, Alan. Um, that that we continue. You know, Dan and I. You know, treat each we we rib each other constantly. So we love each other very much, but it might sound like we hate each other.
0: Well, how do you? How did you guys meet? Tell me that story because you don't have any Broadway credits. The same, right?
1: No. Nope. Yeah. No. We met in yet. college. Not not yet. Um, we, uh, we met in college. Um, Dan was a year below me at the University of Michigan. Um, and uh, honestly, we were, we were friends. We were friendly, but it wasn't, I feel like we didn't really become tight until like my senior year, almost going out of my senior year, where like we became, we were like, w- we really sort of hit on, at least how I remember it, it was golf, golf was one. We used to play golf. We were kind of friends, kind of friends, but it was the, you know, kind
2: of friends. Also, like, you know how musical theater programs are. We were always doing the same track. We were they were like in the same pigeonhole that we were supposed to be the same person, which is hilarious now looking back because we couldn't be more different. And then it was driving to the Muni for auditions for the Muni. Yes, my junior year. And we were in the car, Alan, and we were talking about the future of content and entertainment. And I was pitching Joe on how I believed that there was not going to be any cable uh, networks anymore. Everything was going to be streaming. Netflix is the future. And I pitched him on this idea that I have for a not-for-profit, which I won't get into here. But And he was like, and that was the first time that we basically, that was like our essentially our first writing session. Yeah, it was like us kind of coming together as like one mind and being like, oh, okay, we actually have a lot of the same ideas about the world. And then from then on, we were like really close friends. That was spring of his senior year. That's
1: That's really. Yeah, that's exactly it. I remember that it was a long drive. It was was a nine and ten hour drive. Alex was asleep in the back seat. And we are up in the front seat, and basically the whole idea stem, we don't need to go into it too much, but it was, a, we basically were, we were both obsessed with Joe Papp and the, the, yep. his legacy in the theater. And so we were talking about like why we couldn't do something like what Joe Papp did for theater, but do it for television and film. And so we're trying. That gave away my idea, Joe. No, th- just, that gave away my, nothing, Alan.
2: That is my million dollar idea that he has just
1: given away on the internet. <laughs> what What have we learned in our writing, Dan? What do what we What we know in You're our right. writing is You're that right. no one You're can right. make the idea the way you can make the idea. We need to You're pitch right. all of our ideas constantly, and then Alan nope. can sit here and be like, "Hey, guys, I don't get it," and then we can say, "Listen, here's okay. No one's going to steal our idea."
0: <laughs> is that fine? Is, <laughs> it's 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 your personal touch that makes it work otherwise otherwise it's just not going to happen and okay so so driving alex is in the back seat everything's fine you come back and you start writing and and so uh, coming to New York and everything, uh, what did, did you did you guys keep in touch? I mean, obviously you did, but were you close or was that the point after college when you're like, you know, Joe, you came to the city and you're like, I'm a BMOC now, I'm the big man, Hi, you know, <laughs> hire me. And uh, I mean, when did the paths start to, to reconverge? Or did they uh, ever diverge? I don't think they ever diverged.
1: They never really didn't after that because we, we kept in – pretty constant touch and I will say that Dan was the person who I have always had an had a had a block as far as a a creator of things um I I like to be an interpreter I like for somebody to give me a script or give me a song and I'm going to go do my thing that's where I'm the most comfortable when I have to make my own things I am uncomfortable I don't like it it's incredibly vulnerable and Dan has always been the guy who's like Let's do it, let's write the thing, let's make the thing, let's do let's, let's make the podcast, let's write the the script, let's do the thing. And I am also here being like, you know, okay. <laughs> so what's cool about looking <laughs> back on it is like that that was that never stopped. Dan would always he, he'd call with ideas, hey, what if we did this? what if we did that? What if we you know, and that has been a constant in our life for the last you know nine years. Nine to ten years since of of just... Yeah, we never really disconnected. Yeah. I think uh, Joe went and worked on his first Broadway show
2: right out of school, and then he came back, and we had lunch in some restaurant on Main Street, Joe. Not Main Street. It was like the street off of State it was like the, the one that you went East and West North and South maybe. Yeah. 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 It was some restaurant on Liberty. And you told me that you booked Romeo and Juliet from an EPA and you bought my lunch. And I was like, this guy's great. He (laughs) bought my lunch. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, so
2: basically, I have been working as a a video freelancer. I'm kind of building out my video production business as we speak, and Joe is actually helping me with that. So now we have like nine businesses together, which is hilarious and uh, and funny. Which is why we're always making fun of each other on the show because we can't stand each other most of the time. But yeah. I had all of this gear because I was shooting all of these videos for people. So I had a similar cardioid microphone to the one you're using, Alan. And I had a pencil microphone that I was using to do uh, my like boom micing for video work. And I had these two things sitting around. And I had actually had an idea for a podcast in 2016. I interviewed Jim J. Bullock in my hotel room on my voice memos on my phone about his career because he was a very successful sitcom actor in the 80s. And he was in Kinky Boots with me. And I was like, you know, I don't really know. I like didn't even know what podcasting was at that time. I don't know why I did that. But I think back on that now and I'm like, I should pull that out of the woodwork and see if that would make a good episode or somehow. But the idea for the podcast was mine, but you came up with the name. Is
1: that what we've, we've decided? Yeah, that's what, that's what we've settled on. That's, that's how the story goes. Um, <laughs> was that you <laughs> You came to me and you were like, I want to start a podcast. I have the, I have the gear. It was like a chicken or the egg conversation. It was like, you know, I have the stuff. So if I have this stuff, let's let's do something. And we were coming up with, you know, what could we what could we do? What could we do? And I was like, Dan, we're just a couple of guys who like musicals. What if we just talked about musicals and called it guys who like musicals? And Dan was like, I <laughs> think you wanted it to be something more important. You wanted it to sound like, <laughs> like, you know. The backstage experience, the you know the Broadway no, I behind we had, we the curtain. Of, and I was,
2: <laughs> we had a list of words. It was like Broadway talk podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a, trying to put all those things together. And guys who like musicals was just too good. It was like told you, you exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah, which I think is the best title.
0: Yeah. So well, so that's how it was born. It, it my mine's even more generic and lame no like not it's exactly what no, you it want tells you exactly
1: if, what it is if you want a theater podcast you go to alan seal's theater podcast
2: like <laughs> just i rough. honestly like that's did you have to like fight people for that domain you know that's no. like one of those things it's like i can't believe this didn't exist already
0: no, no. And that's why I chose it because I was looking, I was like curtain call pocket. No, that exists. All right. Backstage. What up? No, that's taken. Um, uh, uh, spotlight. You know, I was looking for all these theatery related sort of things. And then I was just like, okay, the theater podcast. And I registered both theater TRE and T E R. There were both available. Mm-hmm. And, and I was Very like, I smart. guess that's my name. guess that's my name now. But Great. But now uh, yeah that so that's what I'm that's what I'm sticking with and and I'm finding myself sort of a, at a at a an existential crisis that that I don't know if you found yourself in being that you are guys who like musicals but you're also I suspect guys who like TV shows and guys who yeah. like movies and other right. things right so now yeah. I'm getting into interviewing people who are more than just Broadway people and right. from a press perspective right is like how do you have a tv star on the theater podcast so i'm i you know i'm like do i change the name but it's branding but it's years of work and i'm just i you know i lose sleep over this sometimes how did you start yours
1: it. like because i i would love just because this is the riverdale crossover episode um you interviewed me for your for for the theater podcast back uh yeah. when i was doing frozen we met yeah back doing a google talk for bandstand how mm-hmm. did all this start for you?
0: Oh gosh! Well, how far back do you want me to start in my origin story? I got a computer science degree. Your parents <laughs> went on a date, <laughs> and I, I assume so. <laughs> my, my my mother when I was when I was in high school, my mother whips out a, a photo of me or a photo of her, and she's like, "You're about a day old in the, or a day old inside inside me in this picture," and I was like, "God, mom, oh, mom, no, mom, no, mom, no, oh, mom." No. <laughs> Uh,
1: that so, means the day before. Ew. Yeah, yeah we, we got <laughs> yeah. it. So. I, I know. That's conceived. why you
0: make fun. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I was conceived on a road trip in Washington State. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah, that's about as wow. far back. That's as much as I want to know. Uh, right. So, anyway, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll leave out some unimportant stuff. Yeah, so I grew up... Um, un, unimportant. Well, my blood type is. Right. So I grew up in... In North Carolina, I was always doing chorus, singing, acting, dancing as much as I could, but I always had this other half of my brain that was that just couldn't stop taking apart things and building and the electronics engineering side. So my parents gave me some advice that I listened to, which was you can act with a computer science degree, but you can't do computer science with an acting degree. And so basically I (laughs) wow.
2: That's good. That's right? a good one. <laughs> that that hurts. <laughs> that yeah, it hurts. <laughs> yes. I'm like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You're right.
1: Yes. You're right. that, like like for, for 99% of your listeners, that sounds really, oh, how wise your parents were wise. And for the two guys you're talking to, they want to go jump off a bridge. It
0: just hurts. <laughs> but it's funny. It's funny. You brought up Google Talks, right? So, so okay. Um, let me skip over some stuff. So, I computer science degree. And then with my computer science degree, I got out of college and became a professional actor with said computer science degree. And then moved to New York in 2007 during the writer's strike, fell back I did my fallback went back on computers and then that's when I actually moved to New York was during that time and uh and I was doing regional theater until then and have never auditioned a day in my life in New York and I've been here coming up on 13 years I think just hit 13 years so and then in my computer career um worked for Thomson Reuters for a while did some post-production work at a studio in there I was running their IT department and then found my way now at Google as an engineer and then the Talks at Google program, which is like internal TED Talks for mm-hmm. for Google, um, I ended up, I found myself running that program on a global scale. And one of the things I wanted to do was bring in Broadway casts because no one was doing that. And one of the, f- literally, the first one I brought in was Cinderella um, with Santino and mm-hmm. Laura Osnes. And uh, and then from there, it was just the snowball effect and, and ended up bringing in, Bandstand, which Joe was in, and that's when we met, and that was years and years and years ago. So through all of this, my I found the love of bringing information to the world and educating the world, and and peeling back the layers of people that and exposing things not in a bad way, but just stuff you didn't know about individuals. Like getting that right, out there right, was right, so right. appealing and so satisfying to me, and it became a bit of a catharsis in a therapeutic sort of way for me to like share problems with people that you know you don't normally think of them as humans everybody poops but you don't talk right. about pooping so why right. not talk about pooping right I mean, not literally but yeah, metaphorically. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: the metaphor so, you you could have picked anything but like you know that's that's a pretty popular children's book i think right
0: <laughs> so um so in in growing the talks program the more i grew the more i led the the less day to day I was involved with, which meant the less moderation, less planning of events, and I sort of started to miss the whole face to face like this and having long form right. conversations. And so I was just I couldn't sleep one night, and and I was it was like it was literally like three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try this podcast thing. This a couple years ago. And I couldn't find any podcasts. I was just searching for Broadway in Apple Podcasts, and I couldn't find anything that was actively releasing, anything that was new content. So I mm-hmm. said, "All right, I guess." And this is literally all within a span of like fifteen minutes. I was like, "Okay, well, maybe." Oh, I know people now through through all of this. Maybe I'll uh, I'll start my own. And so that's when I sta- when I GoDaddy on my phone. I was looking for domain names, thinking of names, and that's what I found. The theaterpodcast.com was available and I was like, I guess that's the name of my podcast now. And then I just texted a bunch of people that I knew, and Andy and Orfe were literally my first interviews, and Wes Taylor and some others that I had met um in the years of being in New York and being, you know, in this industry, and and away it went. So that was gosh, Ariana DeBose was my first published interview. Andy Norfei and were my first actual interviews timeline wise, and yeah, it's just been a, a roller coaster ride ever since. So, it's, wow. and through that is how I met through through uh, is how I met Dory Berenstein, which is how the Broadway Podcast Network all came about.
2: Right, Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. you guys put together
0: in two thousand eighteen. We so 19? I interviewed her. I interviewed her for my podcast. December 2019 by January 20. No, no, no. Sorry, December 2018 by January 2019. We were already up and running on, off on our business plan. Uh, started secretly, uh, not secretly. Just you know, you you don't announce things yet. We were building the network and building the website by early summer, October 2018. It launched. That was our official big launch. Um, we had a big old party at Sardi's, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, yeah, so that was that was October 2019. Everything's going super great, getting stuff, and then the global pandemic hits. And here we are. And here we are. And here we are. Broadway shuts down.
2: You know, and we
1: were tracking it live. Tracking it crazy, <laughs> right? That is that is crazy. And you know what? I haven't actually gone back and listened to the people that we were talking to, Dan, around you know, February and March of this year, because I know that one of the things and we talked about this on our show is that we, we felt so handicapped as so many people did uh, to create content. We were like, we don't want to go to our friends because, because our show, I mean, these are all friends and colleagues. Yeah. Like we're, we're not, we don't want to say like, Hey, do you want to come on our show and talk about why you love music, musicals when there's no musicals in sight, you know? Right. So that was, that was, a really, that was a, a learning thing over the summer for sure. But to get to track it and to get to track like how people are dealing with it and where they are. And I mean, I remember when we talked to Robin Herder, Dan, before she was nominated for a Tony, there was still this feeling of like, you know, they were just, their bodies were recovering from doing Moulin Rouge eight times a week. Mm-hmm. And they were still, and so she was like, you know, their time, ty- you know, time with my son, and my, bo- you know, I'm able to heal because my body is in, is 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 being destroyed. And and th- and that was, you know, I forget exactly when we did that thing. Was June? I think that was something. May. May, we, you know, we, we may have released it in June, but we did the interview yeah. in May. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and yeah we were
2: still thinking the end of summer. Yeah, at that point, you know, I mean, I wasn't. But no, Dan was not Dan wasn't. I have um, been king pessimism. I've been <laughs> the the minute I found out this was happening. I was like, OK, it's going to be a, a year and a half. I might as well find another career.
0: Um, well, I remember which when I was supposed did. to be two weeks. Right. No. Yeah, it's supposed to be two weeks. I saw I saw the last preview of six on March 11th. They were supposed to open March 12th. On the 12th. Right. Yeah. yeah March 12th is when Broadway shut down. Five o'clock on the 12th is when. It was announced. So three hours before their opening night. Um, crazy. That's yeah, just crazy. Yeah, man. insane. And then, yeah, Joe, like you were, you've been in Frozen. Frozen decided just to close up in the middle of all this.
1: Yeah, which was wild. I, I felt, and I've talked about this a bit, but like Frozen was one of the best jobs I've ever had because everybody on that show was just a total pro they there was a lot of people who you know who had done a bunch of shows and they had families and lives and stuff and so we just had a great working relationship everybody worked hard and everybody went home it was just like a one of the best you know jobs that i've ever had and then i i was not asked to resign patty and casey were not asked to resign they were going to change over the cast which long-running shows do sometimes and When they let us know, that was painful in the moment because it was like, you know, hey, maybe I, you know, maybe I would want to stay in Frozen for another year, you know, or whatever. But it was like, no, you know, okay, so so so
0: this conversation was happening. So March 12th, probably shuts down. So when is the contract renewal discussion happening? Well,
1: so this was, it was before it was, I, this is way before. So this was back probably in November, oh, October right, of the previous year. So they, they came to us right. and they said, Hey, we're going to start looking for some people. Thank you so much for your time, but we're not going to renew your contract. Uh, end of February was when our contracts were up. And, we were, you know, so we were like, oh, you know, that was sad, but like we had a great time and Patty and Casey were obviously very emotional because they had created the whole thing, but then we're, we're leaving and we know that we're leaving at the end of February. And when you're leaving a Broadway show and you know that it's closing, you just start, you go into hibernation squirrels with the nuts mode and you're just saving as much money as possible because you have no idea when your next job is going to come. So yeah. we just like batten down the hatches. My wife, Alex, was in Come From Away. She left Come From Away in November and we were just like, okay, we're going to try to save like, you know, we might not have a job for six months. So, all of a sudden, Mar- Broadway shuts down, and the new cast had done two weeks of performances, yeah. two and a half, two and a half weeks of performances, and everything mm-hmm. shuts down. I we were in such a grateful position because we had been preparing for some type of we weren't preparing for a year and a half of no income, but right. <laughs> we 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 were preparing for six months. You know, so we got through. We're we're okay. We're keeping our heads above water. But it was like. That was a that was a wild, a wild gift in all of this. When you just look at like the little gifts where you're like, I can't believe that this in the midst of all of this horror, anything positive that has come from this, just the fact that like Alex and I had a couple of months to prepare was like Mm. should not have happened. You know what I mean? And so many people in our community don't have that. So Yeah, yeah. I felt the same
2: way that I'd done two years at Waitress like leading up to this and right. like i had some friends who had just made their broadway debut in frozen right and hadn't saved any money
1: right right
2: hadn't gotten well, it like i had all this health insurance left over so many people didn't have that and here we all are now a year later
0: that's the part that really <laughs> is upsetting well what did you pivot to you said you started a new, a new career are you doing more of like full-time video production um well it, it's a
2: lot of things uh joe and i first kind of like dug back into our writing we started writing together in uh 2016 uh joe was on a hiatus between shows one of the only periods of his career where he didn't have kind of lots of jobs lined up and and we were trying to figure out and i was used to that i've always had you know a year and a half between big jobs so i'd gotten used to kind of finding my own path and and we fell into this writing project we had no idea what we were doing but we ended up kind of putting something interesting together. It was a TV show about um, a couple of kids at the University of Colorado Boulder who start a brewery in their basement. And in the pilot, this whole like thing happens, this undercover police break into their house and, and they use it as a marketing opportunity to build their brand. And it's like a Silicon Valley <laughs> for the everyman is kind of the idea. And it's about like kind of the, the beer industry and stuff. And, and that was our first project we wrote together and we ended up pitching it to comedy central in 2016. And then we didn't do anything else. We didn't write again for four years. And then a global pandemic hit, we had built a podcast at that point and done some video projects here and there together, but nothing really substantial. And then we jumped back into it in, in 2020 and started working on uh, another television show, which we've talked about now a couple times on the podcast, but is still in its development phases, and hopefully we will actually make at some point.
1: Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. But then also Dan has become a full-time... All, I mean, listen, we do... Full-time, part-time. It's like full, that's... Full-time, that's the, full-time. we actually have
2: a t-shirt that says full-time, part-time. Full-time, that part-time. is me. Yep.
1: <laughs> yes. Dan has probably a solid eight... Eight, eight, eight to ten jobs that are like I you think. Know. I think eight is I think
2: eight is steep, but it's definitely five. It's Definitely, definitely five. five. What could be <laughs> full time
1: jobs? Just um, and, and I, I've come up with this phrase where it's just like we're cobbling together in existence. Like we're just. Yeah. Cobb- it's like wait, you want to give me a thousand bucks to do a concert? Great. You want to give me a couple thousand bucks to do this thing? Cool. Can we make a podcast? Yes. We're, like and then eventually at the end of the year. We are above the poverty line,
2: <laughs> so, but yeah, and, and starting to starting to actually pay our bills, which is really nice. I mean, exactly. you get it, Alan, because like you have this full time job, and then you have your side hustle. You're still working with Google, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you get like kind of the multiple hustles, and now you have BPN. It's just kind of like that's how the business world works. You have kind of like different entities that are all getting pushed together. But my newest one is just um, is real estate. So I'm kind of building a real estate business. I got my real estate license. I'm really interested in like uh, getting into the investment property space, kind of like a way to funnel any money I could make as an actor into something, maybe doing like a network of Airbnbs or something like that. Not necessarily in like being a real estate agent, but it does fit into all of the other things that I can do, like video and marketing and that stuff. So,
0: you know, uh, you know, Ryan, do you know Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listing New York? Uh That guy, he's a failed actor self-proclaimed failed act. He moved to New York to act and be a hand model, both of which didn't work out. Lied his way into million-dollar listing and now is making million, multi-million dollar deals. Uh I I I did an event with him the other day. He actually told a story of on his wedding day, was a, a major deal fell through. So he was like before his his wedding oh on his God. phone. Yep, trying to save salvage a deal that wouldn't hold together, and that be careful of that because that is not the life I want. And I hope no. I do not wish that on you. No, yeah. but you know, it's I, I think about this a lot because
2: uh work life balance is a thing that is like really important to a lot of people. And and <laughs> but, I think but not me. I don't. Care. No, <laughs> I mean that's well, yeah, that's, like, that's where I'm headed. That's yeah, yeah. where I'm headed because listen, like I. <laughs> I actually, if my days, like when I have my free time, I'm doing other business stuff. Like I don't know how to not, like I'm budgeting future projects while I'm watching TV and I'm texting Joe, like bugging him because he wants to have a work-life balance, but I just don't know how to do that. So like, I don't want to be texting on my wedding day, but there is, there is such a thing as like, I, I mean you know, if it works, it works. Like happiness is your own happiness. And if it, if, you know, you manage your own schedules, I guess, I don't know. That's kind of I mean, I, I don't, I don't
1: have a good work life balance. I don't, are you kidding me? Like you and I are texting at seven o'clock in the morning and then we work and then I, you're I'm co- like coaching until 11 and I've canceled every single vacation I've ever planned because I get an audition or a job. Like I don't, what do you mean, work-life balance? <laughs> <laughs> but
2: I also think it's so arbitrary. Like, why Why should somebody tell us what our work-life
1: balance should be? You know, it's like whatever you it want. It has to why? be. And that, that's the thing you have to have it be whatever you want it to be. And like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, Alan, you have, you have, do you have two, two kids, one, one, two, two kids. kids. Yeah.
0: Two, a four and a six year old. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, so, two boys.
1: And, and, and I'm married and Dan's in a long-term serious relationship too. like you, you, we prioritize those people above anything. They are, they are like right. my, my wife is every, is my, is my uh, whole world. Uh, you know? So if she comes to me and is like, you got to stop texting Dan at seven o'clock in the morning, then that's how I know that our, the work-life balance is out of whack, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that it's, it's gone, gone too right. far, exactly. <laughs> it's gone too far. You know, uh, we, we have had those conversations. Um, but uh, I don't know. How do you... That, I don't know that now that we got on work-life balance, but Alan, how do you deal with... with? I mean, where, you have two kids in a pandemic and you have yeah. 14 businesses going. What the, what
0: the hell? Yeah. Um uh therapy if i'm being honest so before before uh, a couple years ago i just started seeing a therapist a couple years ago um and that has helped me realize my motivation for overworking because yeah yeah yeah. dan Mm -hmm. dan i'm a lot like you in in that i'll be on my i'll be watching tv with somebody i care about and i'm like okay well hold on i'm thinking about this other thing uh, uh, I gotta, I gotta get this email out, or whatever the case is. So I'm always uh-huh. trying to now yeah. consciously be in the moment, be present with who I'm with, right? But that goes speaks to the larger picture of like why I'm overworking. So to answer your question, Joe, um, it's it's really just setting boundaries, and actually Google is really good about this. They they give us uh, extra days off that aren't that weren't corporate holidays before the pandemic but they're like every couple friday every other this is like every third friday i think we just get it off and it's like just they're not calling it a day off just go do whatever you want and
1: yeah wow. i
0: i got over um i mean google sort of sets the bar for for company culture in the first place in the tech world which other companies now are starting starting to follow in line with and you know like dan you've been uh, joe you've been there it's like there's nap pods all over the place and couches and free food and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. places Mm -hmm. to hang out so you're not expected to be there and work the entire time you're there because that leads to burnout and that leads to uh, uh being unmotivated and so i had to get over the fact that um i felt guilty it like i'm working at home and literally like i'm one floor above my bedroom and the bathroom's right there and and like I can sit right here where I am for 14 16 hours a day yeah and I don't realize what time it is We're jumping from you know in the day and bpn and doing these podcasts and whatever and everything else that's going on and watching the kids and getting them ready for school so actually it's nice for me to have one thing to have the multiple things to jump to because jumping from one thing to the next gives me respite from whatever I was doing previously. And especially yeah. with the with the kids, like Monday comes around. I've been with the kids all weekend and they're inside these past couple of weeks because of the freaking snow. And so we can't go anywhere. And the pandemic's everything's closed, the museums are closed, everything. And so like Monday comes around, I'm like, get your asses out of, out of the door, get on the bus, get to school. I just want to go up to my room and I want to go to my room and be quiet for a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. Now, yes. now I get on Clubhouse. I just listen on Clubhouse. There's a lot of there's a lot of crap on Clubhouse, but there's, some, there's a couple of gems in there. So I'll get in there and just listen. I like trying new stuff.
2: I just got in on Clubhouse today. It'll it'll be another eight months before Joe gets on Clubhouse, so so we'll we'll address <laughs> that
0: when the time comes. But
2: there's, I'm excited to a check out. There's a very
0: active there's a very active podcasting community, uh, and, and as somebody with an established podcast, you're already ahead of other people on there because there's a lot of people on there that are just like, how do I start a podcast? I don't know how to use my at home equipment. Uh, how right, do I monetize? Right. I don't have a podcast yet. I'm gonna make millions tomorrow, like Joe Rogan, right? Like, no. Oh, no, Jesus. no, no, no. We're not no. allowed to say yeah, his there's... name on our
2: podcast. So I might have to bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> Ro Jogan. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, <laughs> that is too funny. Um Alan, what are the what are the future plans for BPN? What are you guys looking at down the down the barrel?
0: Oh goodness. Goodness. Well, um, Gosh, I'm trying to think of when this is going to air. What I talk about? Yeah, we right now we're finding a lot of success with um with original programming. The As the curtain rises, completely homegrown original soap opera. Mm-hmm. It's a radio play soap opera. Is is one of our best ones now, uh, most downloaded, and it's all well, next next to guys like musicals. Starring of course, the, like, like guys, guys like Me like like is number is one. First. Number That's two. Right, right.
2: Great, great, great. Right, okay.
0: right, of course, yeah. number one. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, we're finding a lot of a lot of people love this stuff. And um, even from a production standpoint, uh Homecoming on I believe it was wondry I forget if it's Wonderry or Earwolf. One of the other networks made this podcast, this original radio play called Homecoming, that then I believe was Amazon. It was Gimbal. Yeah. Oh, Wasn't it? Gim- a it was a gimbal It was Gimlet. 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 Yes. Gimlet, yes. Yeah, that's sold so to Spotify, exactly. Right, so Gimlet, um, uh, uh, somebody came to them and they turned it into a, a series on Hulu, I believe, or no, Amazon. Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah. So yep. that whole thing, is, so we're, we're eyeing the creation of more original content that's that can push the boundaries and be later co- uh, converted into either a stage production when the theater comes back or just straight up, you know, like Netflix now, right? Like Dory, the co-founder, she's she's got a relationship with Netflix through through the Prom and Ryan Murphy. So, like that, those conversations are starting, and it's it's an exciting time. Cool for podcasting in general because I don't know if if anybody and this might be the most boring thing in the world for those listening right now, but the there were seventeen thousand podcasts launched a week in twenty twenty. A week wow. seventeen thousand so pandemic people people be bored (laughs) people be bored the average 30-day download for a single episode in 2020 was i was around 130 full stop not thousand not hundred 130 so we're better than that joe and that's an all the time, time we have, bud. <laughs> that's that's fiftieth percentile. But the uh, but the wow. like the wealth gap, the top one percent are responsible for like ninety nine percent of all the podcast downloads. Right, like Joe Rogan and yeah. Jack Shepard. It's like the Daily and yeah, yeah yeah. So so now it's right. it's this thing, and I'm sure you're experiencing experiencing this too. Is how do you break outside your own echo chamber? How do you get new right. listeners? that are not the same ones you're preaching to on your social media channels day after day. And as a network, that's and a I, challenge. And I find having
2: it, having... yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. As, an, as a network, you you find that you're having no, ne- to continue ne- to push the
0: boundaries? Yeah, as a network, that's a challenge too because, you know, we're we're so, sort of like we were talking about a while ago with your guys who like musicals and I am the theater podcast and we are the Broadway podcast network, but we're so much more mm. than that. And mm-hmm. so... You know there there's there's more there's more to it. We've got um, video content that we're about to launch. We've got some uh, some new technology, like some uh, iOS app technology that we're about to launch, and all of this is is going to be launched it'll be out soon. So I'm okay talking about it. But uh, and we've got original more original content I'm talking about. But but we're always trying to think about like how do we reach that person who has never. Who, who didn't know about us before like how do we get to that person who was like me three years ago up at 3 a.m and searching for content that they can't find and what kind of content are they looking for how do we bring that to them so i i would love if anybody from uh from roku's listening i want to make a roku app so we could have a roku channel for bpn content um Right now, nope. we haven't launched it, but it's been it's been out there for a couple for about a week. I quietly just rolled it out. If you go to our YouTube channel, um, there's BPN Radio that's twenty four seven episodes playing right now of our content. So it's a twenty four seven live stream right now. Um, wow! So we're gonna we'll throw some guys who likes musicals episodes into the mix. Sweet. Um, so, that, so that way, obviously, people who can stumble through the live streams will find that stuff. They can listen to it in real time because. YouTube amazingly, being a visual platform, people still go there for audio only content.
2: Right, crazy. Right? So I, mean, I go, to, I go to YouTube what? for everything. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's that's an interesting. You you bring up an interesting point there. I'm really curious to see how because there's only a certain amount of people who listen to podcasts too. Like the actual. When you think about there's so many that were started every week, but there's still only a certain percentage of the population that actually listens to podcasts. Like the potential yeah. market share of podcasting is much larger than, than it is right now. Um, and future generations like may or may not actually be engaged in it. Like I described it to one of our clients as just on demand radio. They were like, I don't know what podcasting is. And I was like, well, it's just a radio show on demand. You can just watch it whenever you want, listen whenever you want. Yeah. But I think it's interesting exactly. to try and figure out how you can, break down barriers of of you know who listens to podcasts, who listens to theater podcasts and at the same time kind of keep up with taste. Because I know personally I listen to a certain podcast for six to eight months and then I'm kind of like, okay. That did its purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. I I I my I'm say I say a lot to people. I say people come to a new podcast. They come for the guest. They stay for the host. So yeah. you want To get the guest you want to get your guests to promote you right and then they and then so that's why like hopefully what we're doing right now with this episode our listeners who didn't know about each other are going to start subscribing to both of us and then everybody's that much happier and because we we can talk to the same person we've each talked to patty murin and we've had completely different conversations everybody who talks to the same guest can have a different conversation and i think there's there's a lot more to be told from different podcasters uh, it's just number of time in the day, but to your point about saturation, oh god, I I forget these stats, but it's like the uh, the world. Oh, so the majority of podcasts, like sixty percent of podcasts globally, are consumed via Apple devices, mm-hmm. and and the next closest single consumer is Spotify at around eight percent, and then then and then below Whoa. that. I believe it's Stitcher at like one or two. So there's a big discrepancy. Apple still got the lion's share of the way people listen. And the reason behind that is because from the beginning, near the beginning, Apple always had iTunes built into their phones. So mm-hmm. you got an iPhone. You had immediately a way to listen to a podcast. Whereas android devices the majority of the world the more of the world has android devices than they do iphone devices but because google has yet to put a default podcast player into android you still have to take that extra step of understanding what you're doing and downloading google podcasts or Castbox or whatever other player spotify whatever other player you're going to use so that's why apple has that leg up and i and i think it's they're they it's in their very best interest to maintain that leg up. And I don't think they're doing a good job of it, if I'm being honest, because Mm -hmm. Spotify is chipping away at them every month. There's a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. and I don't know, Spotify is going to get back their investment, especially with like Joe Rogan investment, whatever that exclusivity deal was. I forget what it is. But uh, the the business side of this is huge because the market share for people who A, don't have iPhones yet. um, B... Those who have iPhones, only 10% of those iPhone users have ever used their phone to listen to an iP- to a podcast. So there's the remaining 90%, however many hundreds of millions wow. of people Whoa. holding their podcast player in their hand who have never listened to a podcast. And then there's the Android play- users on top of that that have right. never downloaded a podcast app. So the, the potential for growth is tremendous right now. Right. And... And so we're kind of at the precipice of this massive uh, shift in on-demand radio content and radio play. So right now, 2020, because of the pandemic, this is what I was going to say, is people had time to take a step back and say, like, what am I doing with my time right now? I just lost my job, or I don't have to go to work, or I'm working from home, whatever. So people, 17,000 people a week started a new podcast. So I think in a few months, maybe a year, the majority of those are going to be dead because right. they're not going to be the overnight sensations they expected to be. And then all of a sudden we're going to be back to, uh, you know, there'll be some good ones that come out of it, I'm sure. But um, the, the, I think that the number of people, um, new people that listen to a podcast for the first time every day is rising at the same rate. Whereas we saw, we've seen this massive spike of content that's just going to fall off again. So I don't know if you've seen your numbers flatline or maybe even decline in the last few months because more people are trying out other podcasts. Mm. But as those go away and don't remain, people are going to come back to the old tried and true stuff.
2: I have gotten the sense that you and I are simpatico in the way that you talk about people who are quitters and people who want to be successful fast. It seems like you have that spine in you that just wants to keep pushing. Like, What's that about? Have you always been like that? Like, How do you Mm -hmm. push yourself to kind of keep staying motivated even if you don't see results or, or how do you focus on results?
0: I think it's, it's a willful ignorance for failure. Um, <laughs> I, nice. I have, I just refuse to, to think that I can fail or when I do, I'm like, oh, oh, well now I'll do it again and I'll do it better because the root mm. of all of this is I need to be liked and I need to be appreciated and I feel internally, and I know this isn't true. My rational brain is like, you're an idiot. You know, this isn't like this. But my, my, the same thing that, needs be, that makes me need to be on stage and get applause from standing on stage in front of thousands of people uh, says, if you do good things, people are going to like you more. And so I feel like a failure means that people won't like me. Therefore, I won't allow myself to fail. So even if I do not meet mm. a goal, I will go back, learn from what I did wrong, and then go do it again. So that's, Mm. that, that's the whole, that's, that's my, my internal struggle. It's, it's the, you know, the angel and the demon, right? And the demon is always like, you know, you're not good enough. You're hanging out with these Broadway people. You got this podcast people listen to, you got these jobs, you're working at one of the greatest tech companies in the world. You're really a complete failure though. (laughs) Like that's, that's my struggle pretty much daily. Same.
2: Yeah. Um, Same. it's interesting because what what you do do is that you take responsibility when th- something doesn't work. You also take responsibility in a way that may not be totally healthy w- to an extent. I right? think it's we, the, which we like all the do.
1: masochistic like actor thing. Yeah. Like even though you still like you were you you, you now <laughs> transitioned to podcasting and to to working and you know for for in tech, it's like no, we all still put our hand back on the fire over and over and over again you know, we don't, even if we fail, we rationalize ourselves away from, so it's not failure. No, it's like, I didn't get that job, but like that, I didn't want that job anyway. And now we're moving, you know, through, through life. But I don't know. I think that that is, that creates an opportunity, like you said, to just learn and move forward as opposed to get paralyzed by fear of failing, you know, because you said one, you said earlier that, What's his nuts from from million dollar listing is a failed actor, and I don't think there's any. I don't think there's such a thing. I, right. I I adamantly believe that that there is no such thing as a failed actor because if you go out and you do one show, then you're you know you go out and do one thing, you're an actor, and and you succeeded in a way. If I quit tomorrow, I'm not going to be a failed actor. If I had quit hmm. back, you know, b- you know, back right after I graduated, if I if I never went to musical theater college, if I didn't, you know. I just don't. I don't know. I agree with you, Joe. I think it. I think that
2: that line of thinking comes from a different generation, and that's a generational mm. difference between like people being defined as their careers. And I don't right. think. I think personally, obviously, I think that's bullshit. I have eight careers. There is no such thing as a failed actor. You're an actor now. You may be an actor later. But you, you know, yeah. you're just doing different things. Someday <laughs> yeah. you might be an actor again. <laughs> Acting's not going anywhere, and you know, yeah, right. We don't right. have to define yeah. ourselves. And I would. Like, I one had this title. high school,
1: this teacher. I had this teacher in high school who he was the physics teacher, and he was in his in his life up to being the physics teacher. He had been a lawyer, and he had been a commercial airline pilot, and now right. he was a, he was the the physics teacher. And I was like, but you're a lawyer. And he was like, "No, I have a law degree. I was a lawyer, and I have my pilot's license." Wait, so you're a pilot? No, I was, I was, a I am a pilot, but I'm not. Right? You know what I mean? And like, right? We don't think that's crazy because we're all singer, dancer, actor, blah, blah, blah. But you have like 14,000 hats you have to wear to just like get health insurance. But like for normal people, <laughs> it's like I, I think that that Dan, you're so right. This being defined by your career thing, I think, is not, you know. I think we're breaking away from that. Yeah, I think I think we're, we're totally in the world now where everyone, my thing
2: for actors right now is like my best advice and the things I'm starting to make videos about on my YouTube channel now is like, you need to find your side hustle. And if you can find a side hustle that's not in a restaurant, you're gonna be better off because you probably can find a way to be a little bit more fulfilled Than just serving and waiting tables, which is 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 definitely a respectable life and a respectable future, but it doesn't work for everyone, and it it isn't the only option. You know, you can definitely go. Yeah, we come out of school thinking a
1: lot of times like that's the that's the option. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's a lot of. I mean, restaurant restaurant is such late hours most of the time that you can't get up. You just don't have the energy. Or when yep. you do, you're just dead, dead for those 6 a.m. EPAs. Yeah. So, Dan and I worked
1: together, another one of the jobs. I mean, we we catered together between jobs. And there were two, well, there was one night, first, i working in restaurants, I've, I've worked in a million restaurants and catered my whole life. My mom had a catering company for a long time. And, like, I have such respect for that work across... Oh, the board the two most fun nights that i ever had catering were with dan one we we were bartenders and lots at, of fun
2: no we had a, a, no we, were, shortage we were bartending of
1: fun we were bartending at an alexander wang uh fashion week event
2: it was a party <laughs> and, <laughs> and was, we were and just was,
1: there to like sling it was like an arena was, show
2: there was like like kendall jenner was there we were slinging drinks at the main bar i always tried to get the main bar <laughs> go ahead joe
1: no, but it was one of the best nights ever and 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 all and then the other time we were bartending or, or like Dan was bartending and I was do, I was like cleaning the toilets for uh it was a, it was a dinner it was a dinner for Tom Hanks and or, yeah it was dinner for Tom Hanks and uh uh Leon Bridges Leon performed. Bridges performed he, oh and it was, it was and we, the Wall Street we, Journal uh, like awards dinner. And and we should have gotten fired, but we stood there. Do you remember, Dan? We're standing behind this bar. Yep. We're not supposed to be there. We're supposed to be working somewhere else. And Leon Bridge is up there playing River by himself with his guitar and i was like i don't care if i get fired i'm going to watch this man sing this song this is one of my favorite artists and he's up there he's this close to me and the captain was coming around like what are you guys doing here and it was like uh we're 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 getting glasses for this this bar and the he, the captain was like you're not supposed to be doing that <laughs> It was like no we're actually <laughs> and i said i said don't worry john
2: he's with me he's with me we'll be fine We'll we'll be right with you. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, what are oh um, I did a, lot, have of fired. Have I a fired. lot of catering. We should have got I had a lot of catering stories. Um, oh my God! Yeah, I catered. Actually, it's funny now. I served uh, my biggest catering. Of, did you work the Ralph Lauren birthday party, Joe? No, I don't think so. No, I think you were. I think you were in. I think you were out of town, maybe doing
1: that show you did. Uh, uh, Alabama.
2: The the Um, because of
1: Windy Dixie, yeah. Because of Windy Dixie, that that, uh, uh, Duncan Sheik wrote, yeah.
2: Yeah, Um, I I served Ralph Lauren's birthday party at the main table. It was Jessica Chastain, Anna Wintour, Ralph Lauren, and his wife, and Army Hammer. Oh, (laughs) oh my goodness! (laughs) Oh God! And I said, "Do you want the vegan option?" And he said, "Absolutely not." So. That, no, that was a joke. That was a joke, not to make light of that. But Jessica Chastain was vegan, and she's really nice. I feel like, uh, yeah, catering was a, was an interesting way to make money, but also not not my Wait, favorite. Wait, am thing I in the
1: allowed world. to laugh that hard at that joke? I don't think so. Uh, we might have to quit that. <laughs> Dan and I are guys who like musicals, and we've always been guys who like musicals. The point of this show, I think, for us in the long run, is that there's a lot of guys and men and women who don't do musicals who don't have anything to do with musicals, who liked them. And growing up, we were the guys who played on the hockey team who also liked musicals and that was weird. And, but when we told the the people that like, oh, we also like, this is a part of us that is that is real, they they would say, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I, I saw Les Mis one time. That is the only qualifier that like, gets you in the club of someone who likes musicals. So my hope is like, in my perfect world, someday I would love to talk to Barack Obama about why he chose to bring Hamilton to the White House, why he loves musical theater, like, like that sort of thing. There are millions of people in the world who sort of like or super like musicals that don't happen to be in it. What's fun about us, about our show right now, I find is like we're still talking to our friends, we're talking to our colleagues, we're talking to people we've worked with or people that are one degree of separation, separation away from us. But that's my hope is that the show becomes guys who like musicals and then they're like, why is Hillary Clinton on the show? And it's like, well, yeah, because, I don't know, we're big and fancy enough that like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we call, it, well, and Hillary Clinton's yeah. perfect because she loves musicals. Yes, right, and right. like, she came to see Frozen and couldn't have been nicer. But like, you know, right. that sort you of, know that's sort of, that's the stuff that I, that I see us, you know,
0: I, I want to go to a place, and I, I agree with you, that I think that, that, that there's a lot to explore there. And I want to get into, this is the nerd side of Mia, into the psychology behind why people like musicals. Like
1: somebody like a, who, like a neurologist, like 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 talk to talk to like that kind of understanding. It, I don't or? know.
0: Like I this is this is actually something where I've wanted to do some more research. If anybody listening has any suggestions, write me at feedback at the theater um, <laughs> Let me know, because I, I want to talk to some people who are into the science behind uh, behind why we are so addicted to music and performing because there's a vibration to it, right? But what is the science behind that? What's what's going on chemically in our heads? Why do we... Why, do, why are some people uh, yeah. relate to Hamilton and some people relate to Cinderella and some people can't get enough of Wicked? Or, you know, I, I want to... Mm. There have been no studies that I am aware of as to why people... Chemically are addicted to these shows.
1: Like what is the dopamine response to sitting in the third row watching an opening night performance of blah blah blah? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It sounds like a really good documentary. It really does.
0: And and so our brains cannot <laughs> Dan, you want another job? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. Like he like he's like, wait a minute, we have the Yeah, we'll talk later. Does anybody know a behavioral psychologist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. I, I love that so because... There's a lot of stuff. I had a conversation with my dad about... I, I, my dad loves country music and has always loved country music. And he loves show tunes. And one time we like put the pieces together. He's like talking to me. You know, he's like fully embraced my musical theater nerdiness. And he's like fully paying for the tuition for musical theater college. And he's like, you know, I love this theater t- song and this. And he's always liked country music. And I think that there is something in theater where like there's that crossover just to have a beginning, middle and end. I started here, something happened, something else happened. And now I'm it's changed, you know, in that story, that true story that like exists in, in Arlo Guthrie and, you know, all those grand old Opry people, you know, and like the music of that era, I think was so story driven. Um, that I think there's a real crossover there that people don't even realize, but yeah, I I would love to, I want to hear that interview with your behavioral psychologist about me too. Why people like musicals?
0: Yeah, yeah. And when when COVID hit, uh, actually going back to something we were talking about earlier with the de- like numbers overall because of lack of commuting, podcasting as an industry, the numbers went down, and we were mm-hmm. very aware of that. But BPN actually saw double digit growth during that initial shutdown. Because not a people- big deal. Well, people people <laughs> wanted, it, it relates to what we were just talking about, NBD, we were, <laughs> people wanted yeah. the arts. People immediately were feeling those chemical withdrawals of not being able to go see shows and not being able to connect with these performers. And so they were turning to the first thing they could get their hands on, which is they in their, you know, they're, they're on demand radio. Literally in their
2: hands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: literally in their hands, their podcast with their favorite actors and actresses and creatives and whoever the case may be. So that's since leveled off as, as things have sort of normalized here in this weird, strange time we now find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. But it was really, really interesting to us. And that's, that's sort of where I got the idea for all of this to go down the behavioral science route and the chemical route of just, you know, we know we care. People, sometimes people feel it in their bones. Like I just have to be on stage. I have to act. I have to sing. But that it comes from something we are just organic beings that are, are are a bunch of molecules bouncing around inside you know our yeah. physical body and what is it about that that makes us have to be on stage yeah yeah
2: the have to be on stage one i think is a is a more a question about just like insurmountable egos but there is definitely (laughs) there is definitely a question i mean i have had a chemical response to musicals in the form of head-to-toe chills when i really connect or feel in, in like impacted by a musical since i was in the fifth grade like since i can remember i've i when i really connect to what's happening in a musical i get goosebumps from literally head all the way down my back so there's got to be something yeah. chemically there. So I'm yeah. hooked. I think that's an awesome idea. I, I, I'm, I'm in. Let me
1: know if we can yeah. help. Yeah. I, I think there's something. I think. I think there's something to, like, just the the spectrum of addic- addiction and like addictive personalities, as far as performing is concerned, because it is, it is an absolute drug. Yeah. You know. Yeah. For sure. And I think, I think that. You know, I was listening to, to the, I mean, Dan and I both love Smartless uh, and that podcast that came out this year and they were talking to Brendan Shanahan, the former, the hockey player, Brendan Shanahan talking about like how athletes have that. Athletes have this singular focus and they they get their, their, their rush and their, you know, their drive from this one singular thing that when that thing is taken away, a lot of them can fall into destructive tendencies Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they don't have it anymore. And so I think that that happens with artists and actors too. It's like when you know how to perform, you know how to sing, you know how to play your instrument or paint or whatever. And then if that's taken away, what do you fill that gap with? You know, what do you fill the space with? And hopefully it's something good for a lot of people. It's not, you know, I don't know.
0: Maybe that that goes back to the failed actor thing because you're feeling the depression, you're feeling anxiety, however you internally manifest that. And you feel like a failure, whether you are or not from the outside. You still feel like you're you're not getting what you want, so you feel like you failed. Right, right. There you there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting <laughs> into some science about this. I want to know, uh, Alan. What's your? Do you have a favorite interview that you've done? Favorite person you've talked to? Oh
0: goodness. Um, well, Joe Carroll, episode twenty one, of course. <laughs> nice. Uh, <yeah. laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one. Yeah. Um, no. I actually I like lots for different reasons. Um, Patty Patty Murin was is one of my favorites because that was the first time um, that was the first time I talked with somebody about like as openly as she talks about anxiety, her own anxiety Mm. and like having panic attacks on stage and stuff. That was the first time that I allowed myself to go somewhere uh, a lot as deep as my guest was going. Cause I have OCPD, which is obsessive compulsive personality disorder, not OCD, completely different thing. So basically it's can't see the forest through the trees and I'll, I can get high, so hyper focused on some detail on a detail sometime that I just don't see the big picture. And like, I'll find myself hours later, like, wait, why did I just spend all that time on that? That's not a big deal. And so that's mm-hmm. part of the therapy and whatnot. But so that was the, fir- mm. the first time I had ever publicly talked about that was with Patty. 'Cause she made me feel comfortable enough to do it. Cool. And so that still sticks out as one of my favorites. Um, Isabella Rossellini, just because it's Isabella Rossellini, that <laughs> was super, super cool. Um, right as COVID hit, uh, I started the Coron Queen takeover. So I interviewed all the, the six queens. That was super, mm. super cool. Cause they're just like that's a show where so empowering. They're all friends, they all like each other. And you can tell by watching it. Did you did either of you get to see it? No. Mm-hmm. Like you can watch when you watch them on stage, they're there to support each other. and the story is a support is a female empowerment story right. where they're all supporting each other. And you can tell when they're together and when they talk about each other that there's genuine love for one another and it mm. it was just really cool to see all that come out. Um, that's awesome. yeah, so and then outside of that, back in December, I interviewed. Matthew McConaughey for Google and that that was a lot of fun oh, so. All right, all right all right all right all right all what right. about you guys
2: he had a really good smart list episode Joe did you listen no it was no. Dax Shepard it was Dax oh. Shepard he was yeah. on
0: Armchair Expert yeah and that guy yeah. is a freaking character um oh I love Dax, there, Dax is co- my Dax is my real quick Dax is my my people like who's your ultimate guest who would you love to have Dax is my number one guest I would love to interview
2: yeah Totally yeah, that'd be cool. He seems yeah, so, an awesome Yeah, who guy? is your favorite, right, favorite two-
0: interview that you've done? And who is your most who is your most coolest person you'd like to interview?
1: Ooh. Uh, Ooh favorite, favorite so far, and dream interview. Got it. Uh, got it. Um, I think the day, I mean, for me, the day we got to interview Gavin
2: Creel was cool for us because Gavin was kind of this uh guiding light for the two of us, uh, especially for me, I mean, I've been listening to him like regularly since 2005 and to have him then on my podcast in my living room was a crazy day. And we acted like a bunch of idiots and it kind of felt like it gave the show some legitimacy. (laughs) That was, that was over just over a year ago. And now like, you know, now where I'm like teaching him how to self tape, the whole world is just upside down. And and I can kind of like <laughs> thank the show for just kind of giving me an uh, an outlet for that. And and that's, you know, that has, I thank Gavin for coming on and Shoshana Bean came on really early and like all of that kind of friends doing friends favors was, was really helpful for us. But there have been some really great ones, some surprising guests that, you know, you really like end up, Having conversation that you didn't expect, like we just we just released Nick Blameyer and Nick has been a mentor to us as a writer and and he's just like a very deep person. So I always like the deep conversations. That's usually like where I gravitate. Um, yeah, yeah. I think for me, top of list. I don't know, Joe. Who is your favorite guest? And I'm gonna think about who my.
1: Yeah, I my favorite. I w- I would totally agree. And we've talked about that before. That like the Gavin episode was completely surreal it made us feel legit he is the warmest human being on the planet and made we we still feel like imposters on a daily hourly basis and Mm -hmm. and he just made us he he made us feel like equals and and really i think empowered us to to keep going to this point because now we're like okay cool if we can talk to gavin grill we can talk to anybody um and Mm -hmm. but my favorite honestly i had two one was robin herder because she's such a de- she became such a dear friend to to she's me just after my in my, general yeah mm-hmm. after my experience uh, working on Moulin Rouge uh, off uh, in Boston and um, uh, in the workshop we just became like absolute buddy homies and and I I love her and so that was really fun to just connect with her because I hadn't seen her in a long time and she was so funny and I think she had like two she had like two Long Island iced teas while we were talking to her. (laughs) She sure did. And I'm going to make another one. I'm going to make another one. This is really fun. Let's just keep talking. So that was great. (laughs) Um, And I like the, I like the goofy. I really go. I I like the, I love getting deep with people, but I really love when we can laugh and have a good time. Um, I, and so I love those episodes. And then my, when Dan and I, uh, um, argued about the music man, Oh, that's a good one. Uh, We had that episode. We did a a segment for... uh, uh, Previously, we did a segment where we just broke down our favorite shows. And we were talking about like the shows that made us want to do this and what we love about them. And we talked to Matt Doyle about company. And we talked to Benton Whitley about Into the Woods. And we just had an episode where Dan was like, the Music Man is the greatest musical of all time. Fight me so on the, it. the week. The week <laughs> prior, we'd
2: done. Uh, we had Will Burton on the show for the second time. We talked about the Hello Dolly movie because we we found the same thing. We were like, we want to kind of talk talk about stuff on the show that that. Doesn't focus on the pandemic. So let's just talk about movie musicals. Great. So we started like a movie musical segment. We talked about Hello Dolly with Will Burton. And I do not like the Hello Dolly. And Joe and Will think (laughs) it is the best shit that has ever happened on the planet. And so sure enough, the next week we went to my favorite musical, which was The Music Man. And I was like, be careful. That's how I started the episode. Be careful about what you say, <laughs> because we're about to fight, and we just had like an absolute battle royale. Because Joe thinks parts of the Music Man is stupid, and I think he's stupid. So that was a that was a that's a good call, Joe. That was a great episode. It was
1: so fun. We may have it to do really, like a really musical fun. theater um,
2: SmackDown live show. I think that's got to be in the cards for us at some point. It's like having that's that's where on like the, to fight about what their favorite musical is head to head. I think would be a funny. Like well, almost just, like a burn just just book differing kind of thing.
1: opinions. Uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Like like to to throw out like you know the you know the issue on the table is right. you know whatever you know yeah lay mis and then somebody on the pro side somebody on the con side and just fight about it and I think it could mm-hmm. be really funny so we want to do that. Um, I think that dream guests for me like like I this is this is gonna sound stupid. I Already said Barack Obama and I said Hillary Clinton that the mount that's about the top of the mountain, but I want to talk to people like that. Anybody who I, I think that people who have spent their life in public service for one particular party are the are just I, I I'm so <laughs> I'm so in awe of what they do, and so I just would love to like actually get to interview somebody who is like that because like I Yes. So that's 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 what I would love. And then somebody and the same ilk like to get to interview Patrick Mahomes, to get to interview Sidney Crosby, to get to interview, you know, Tiger Woods or something. Mm. Like people, I don't know. I just like people who Mm. have absolutely nothing to do with what we do, who happen to be like, Oh yeah, like I kind of watched, you know, the Into the Woods movie a bunch when I was a kid. Okay, cool, Sidney Crosby. Great talking with you. Like that I don't Uh, know. that's that's me so yeah what, about Dave, AOC, what do you think that's good AOC,
0: aoc she's local yes aoc for sure
1: i'm sure um, she likes musicals
0: i she's, yeah
2: i think like for for depth jim carrey oh, oh okay. and for okay. musical theater royalty hugh jackman oh my mm. god the original hugh? guy who likes musicals
0: Hugh Hugh should be doable, especially the when they when they need to do press for for Music Man. There you go. Whenever Broadway comes back, <laughs> you can be like, we're not going to mention Scott Rudin, but you, Hugh, you like musicals in the Music Man.
1: Uh, I Dan, that is such a good idea. And also he's best friends with Max Clayton and we're best friends with Max Clayton. So that precisely. we precisely we are we are one degree of separa- one separation degree. away <laughs> from the president of musical theater.
0: That's right. <laughs> I along those lines, I'd like to have NPH. Neil Patrick yeah. Harris would yeah. be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Neil Patrick gosh.
0: Harris. Of course, Lynn. If Lynn wanted to be on mine, I'd be like, all right, let me pencil you in. But yeah,
2: he's too busy yeah. working for Disney now. He you know, he's he's tied up, he's got an overall, he's got he's got too much to do. But it yeah. would be cool to that. have him. He's he's also a genius. I really, I've i really loved that show on Netflix that breaks down the song.
0: Yes. That he yes. did.
2: Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but if anybody hasn't seen that yet, I don't know what it's called. But it's a documentary show that breaks down uh, songs by artists. And they did one on Lynn and it's Lynn and uh, Tommy. Uh, no, mm-hmm. it's Lynn and um, Alex Lackmore. It's really good.
0: There's three questions I normally ask people to end my <laughs> interviews. I want to ask you one of the three, because it should be a short answer. If you could see any musical, any sorry, any show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Sunday in the Park with George.
1: Passing Why? Strange.
0: I think, I don't, I don't remember what you said, Joe. I should go back and listen to it. See if you give the same answer now as you did in episode 21. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I
1: would have said Passing Strange.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, cool. I,
1: probably, Yeah. Dan Dan why why Sunday?
2: I think that Sunday is about the 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 condition of an artist, not the human condition but the artist's condition, what it means to be a creative person and to be so dedicated to it's actually thematically very similar to Hamilton. There there are like ties to this idea of being obsessed with your art and having it like not get in the way of or being obsessed with the thing that you do and having it get in the way of how the rest of the world functions for you and that show kind of confirmed for me at a time when I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to keep pursuing this professionally that show kind of turned turned it around for me and I could listen to it forever see it forever
1: that 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 tie in to Hamilton that was awesome the connection between I'd never put that together I of course of course Hamilton is inspired by Sunday in the Park with George. That was great. I think it has to be. I, I don't think I no. It absolutely about that until has to second, be. But it totally is. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're so right. And then yeah, for me, it's a uh, Passing Strange was the show that, and the the move that the Spike Lee filming that that took me from questioning whether or not I wanted to do this for the rest of my life when I was a junior in college. I saw that show and I was like, that is what I want to make. It is also a show about the artist experience and art getting in the way of relationships and how you know only love is real. Anyway, we did a whole episode on it. So, I think most people know how I yeah, feel cool. about that show.
0: What about you, Alan? I I'm I think I'm going to have to go with and this is pretty cliché. I think I'm going to have to go with Rent. Yep, because mm-hmm. it was what turned it was so new and so different for me that I was into musicals before that, like I listened to Chicago and Phantom soundtrack and I grew up watching Singing in the Rain, Music, Man, and West Side Story, VHS tapes. But then Rent is when i the first time I ever got obsessed with something. Because, yeah. mm. again, that was something that spoke to me. And I still don't quite know why. And that's the chemical thing that I would love to know. So whenever I, I, I think back on Rent with a nostalgia of, you know, especially now as a parent, looking back at my kids and seeing the things they enjoy, I look back at the nostalgia that that of a, of a time when things were just good and things were just easy and I didn't have Mm. to worry about adulting, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: you you could just, you could sing about what it's like to not pay your rent, but not even know what you were talking about.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. Alan thank you thank you thank you for for our for everything for including us in bpn we yeah. you are you are the og theater podcast we are following in your footsteps we love you for our listeners check out his for the listeners of the theater podcast come check out ours
0: please yes yes please check out guys who like musicals there will be links in the show notes of of the feeds i've loved this conversation this has been this has been so different for me and i really appreciate it and thank you both for taking the time to do this us too man thank you for everything
2: thank you for listening to guys who like musicals we are now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Woo! We are hosted by Dan Tracy. That's you. And Joe Carroll. That's me. We're produced by Ryan Kincaid and Matthew
1: Mucha is the social content manager. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals on Twitter at musicalguys, or the old-fashioned way at www.guyswholikemusicals.com. If you'd like a
2: chance to be featured on the Ask the Guys segment of our show, please call 203-900-7990 and leave a message with your question. As always, thanks for listening.
0: Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance.
2: Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and
1: now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives.